Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest covers Oregon State like no other. Nick Daschle joining us live via satellite. How did your media day go, Nick Daschle? It wasn't bad. It, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't really talked to you about how you felt like Pac-12 media day went, but it was it was quite a bit of chaos. But I felt like I felt like I got what I needed. It took a little took a little work, but I felt like I got what I needed. Before I ask about Oregon State. Some people believe that George Klyovkov was great up on the stage. Took some shots at the uh, Big 12, took some shots at the Big 10, rolled his sleeves up, uh, you know, kind of positioned himself as the adult in the room. Other people say he got off his talking points during the Q&A session and he sounded petty. Are you on either one of those camps or somewhere in the middle? No, I'm in the middle. I mean, he didn't have any news really, and so without any, you know, real hard news, uh, you know, I just thought I thought he was entertaining, um, but you know, I what, what is he? What, what is he supposed to do? He, he he supported the conference, and I I mean, it, it was fun to watch, but that was about all it was. There wasn't a lot of substance behind any of it. Jonathan Smith was there along with his offensive and defensive players, Alex Austin on the defensive side, and uh, Luke Musgrave on the offensive side. Um, I felt like they were trying to get those guys some visibility. Like there are higher profile players they could have brought, but they, you know, they just brought two guys that maybe we haven't heard a lot from. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, you bring your quarterback down, but you know, chance hasn't really nailed the job down, even though I, I think he will be the starter. So they didn't want to bring him, uh, you know, Jaden Grant has been there before, uh, Omar Spates could have been, I guess he, they could have brought him, but he's, he's not a, I mean, he's, he's a nice guy, but he's not a great talker. Um, you know, they wanted to bring Alec Austin cause he's from LA. So he, you know, he was, that, that was one reason they brought him and Luke Musgrave, I kind of think is going to be, I said, thought last year he was going to be the breakout guy, but I'll guess I'll say it again. I think he's going to be the breakout guy on offense this year. I, I just, find it hard to believe he's not a guy that that's not going to see the football a lot this next year. So I think that's why they brought those two guys. I don't know who else they really could have brought. I mean, the running back, the running back position is, is kind of up in the air. There's not a receiver that you would go, you know, uh, that, that really sticks out. And generally speaking, you, you, you typically don't bring offensive linemen. Although I, I would have, I, I, I asked him, I said, Brandon Kipper would be a great one to bring yep. back because he's well-spoken and whatnot. But they went with those two, which is which is fine. Let's talk about their schedule. They're going to open with Boise State at home. Always a tough opponent. They will play Fresno State in week two. They'll get Montana State in week three. Uh, I keep saying 3-0 and is out there, but also 1-2 and might be out there with Boise State and Fresno State on the schedule. How do you feel about 
Oregon State's ability to get through the non-conference with a 3-0 and record? Yeah, I would be a little surprised at 3-0. and I mean, I'm not saying it, it, it. It could definitely happen. I mean, all three teams they're capable of beating. I just think... I just think Fresno State is going to be one tough ask, and as I'm, I'm writing some, you know, some talking points right now for, for you know, for for practice opening tomorrow, and uh, you know they have, and one of one of them is they haven't won an opener since 2015, and granted the opener's been tough, but so is this one, and you know at some point you got to break through and win one of those openers. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna claim to be a good football team, I mean you can't just keep starting out 0-1, so I think it's a perfect setup. They're coming off a 6-0 and year at home. You know, Boise State is good, but they're not, they're certainly not, you know, a top 10 or 15 program like some of the teams they have played in the past in openers, so um, I think it's, you know, I think winning the opener is important. I will say, I don't think, you know, 1-2, and 3-0, and 2-1, and I don't think it I don't think it muddies the, the water in terms of what Oregon State could do this year because Smith's teams, they, they, they tend to, you know, they, 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 it's like kind of like the old cliche, water off a duck's back. That's kind of what, that's kind of what Oregon State does with losses, it seems like, under Smith. You know, that they got off the 0-2 start a few years back with, with, you know, with Oklahoma State and Hawaii, and they came back and darn near had a winning season. And so... I, I I think that that's one of the things that Jonathan has been really good at is getting them to turn the page pretty quickly after losses. So I don't know a three and zero start would certainly would certainly you know bring a lot of eyeballs to the program, especially with USC being game four. But I don't know that one and two, two and one, three and zero is going to change you know what this team is capable, of, and that's you know a possible run at, at the Pac-12 championship game. The running back position, freshman Damian Martinez, we saw him in spring ball a little bit. He looks every bit like the bell cow back. How much depth, though, do they have at that position? Yeah, it's a good it's a good position. I did notice, uh, I was just looking at the roster here a little bit ago, I noticed they, they trimmed him down to 216 pounds, so he's down 12 <laughs> pounds from, uh, you know, so I'm assuming they put a few college muscles on him and, took a little baby fat off of him so i'm guessing that's going to make him a little faster and hopefully you know his his strength is still there but he's going to have his hands full winning the job because you know deshaun fenwick is he, he was legitimate he was a legitimate backup to bj baylor last year he had a hundred yard game and if he hadn't got hurt later in the year i think he would i think he might have had a couple more so he's certainly capable and i i know they love trey low I don't think he's a starting running back because I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say he couldn't uh, hold up to the pounding of a, of a, of a, you know, a 20 to 25 carry guy, but, but he's he's capable. I know Smith Smith told me, you know, Friday that Lowe and Fenwick both had great summers, so I expect that to be one of the highlights uh, highlights of, of camp as a competition at running back. I keep looking across this conference and. I keep coming back to something. I see one team that looks ready to compete at a high level, and it's Utah. They don't have a bunch of questions to answer. They're, they're kind of locked in right now. they got guys to come back, even though they made a Rose Bowl. Everybody else has got some big questions. Oregon's got questions. USC's got questions. I, I wouldn't be surprised, Nick, if we saw a bunch of teams win 
six, seven, eight games. It it feels like there could be that kind of cannibalization that happens with positions two through about five or six in the conference. And I think that would benefit teams like Washington State and Oregon State that got have some continuity. Yeah, I mean that's I I mean I don't want to sound like you know Homer football beat guy, but I, I picked Oregon State second for a reason in the in the preseason poll because this just is one of those years where you know in the in the North three of the six teams have new coaches. Stanford is you know is still trying to figure out how to get back and and Cal is you know Cal hasn't proven itself under you know, in the last couple of years. So, and Oregon State's is veteran has been under Smith. So, I, I, I could, I, I, I could, I, I'd be surprised if they don't get to a bowl game. And I think eight and nine wins is out there for this team, particularly if they do get off to a good start. But, but yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't see, I don't see that. I mean, I, it's not going to surprise me if USC goes seven and five or eight and four even just because, yeah. I mean, they've got holes as well. I, I know I talked to, I've talked to a couple of Oregon State players. And, you know, I won't say who, but you know, I, I mentioned that USC game last year, and, and they just were. I mean, the, the defense was just pitiful. I mean, and so it's not like they've totally retooled the roster over on no. that side. I mean, they may have a new approach, but they're still going to have some issues trying to stop teams. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I could see a lot of teams in that six to eight eight win group, and that would include Oregon State. Yeah, I look at as I look at the conference, you know, I actually feel pretty solid about UCLA. I think they've got a lot back. I think they could be an eight-win team solidly. But beyond that, you know, I think Oregon's in that conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington won six or seven. I wouldn't be surprised if Stanford was a little better, got to six and made a bowl game. David Shaw seemed to be talking with some confidence, and I agree with you on USC. I think it's going to be a tougher uh, build than Lincoln Riley uh, probably expects in this conference. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback position. You mentioned Chance Nolan. I think we're on the same page. We uh, we view him as the likely opening day starter. How far away is Tristan Jebbia, though, from competing and making that a decision or a tough decision? Well, this is going to be the, this is going to be the best competition at, at at quarterback that Smith has had in five years. And every year he's taken it right to the end of camp before he's made a decision. I'm not saying that's going to happen again this year. I think he I think you know deep down he'd like to know who his quarterback is about ten to fourteen days into camp. But but Jebbia, from all accounts, is is as healthy as he's been in you know two years. And, Gulbert, and Ben Gulbertson is the same same thing. He's he, he's coming off a year where he didn't play either because of the shoulder surgery. And I I know they like I know they like Gulbertson. They just need to see him, you know, be consistent, consistently hit passes, you know, in the in the intermediate and, and long. I know they like him. So Nolan's going to have to. I I think he's going to be the guy, but he's going to have to show he can hit those hit the downfield stuff like he wasn't able to do a year ago and make a little bit better decisions and play more consistently. Cause when he was, when he was playing well, Oregon state was hard. Oregon state's offense was hard to stop. So it, it's going to be a tough competition, but I, I do think that Nolan, if, if he's made that next step is, is going to win the job. Nick Daschle with us covers Oregon state for the Oregonian. You can read him on Oregon live Daschle, The, Downfield threats for this team. 
they've always been better at Oregon State when they have a guy that can take the top off a of defense uh, and make you respect the home run ball, whatever you, whatever metaphor you want to use. Do they have a receiver that opposing safeties are going to have to respect? You know, I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. I, you know, we've talked about Anthony Gould. He's got a lot of speed, and we thought maybe he's the guy. We thought for several years that Josiah Irish might be that guy, and he, he hasn't quite proven that. But and 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 the the guy last spring that kind of was stepping up and and showing in in, in you know in scrimmage situations quite a bit was Silas Bolden, who's Victor Bolden's brother, and he's but he's five eight. Um, hard to say. I, I don't know if they're going to have that guy that can just blow past deep. I just think they're all this is a very veteran group and they're gonna have a lot of they're gonna have a lot of options. I mean so much so that you know, Smith has said that, you know, really deep in this position and there may be you know, we're we may have to figure out that there's some guys that might not get as many touches as as, as you might think because we just don't you know, we don't have the, that many balls around so we've got to figure out, you know, who 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 those guys are. But I think Tyjon Lindsay's set for a big year. He's, you know, he's a, he's a senior. He's he's been he's been itching to be the guy. I think he's I think he's in great shape. Harris Harrison's in his third year at Oregon State. I think he's he's ready to, ready to blossom. And then, like I said earlier about Luke Musgrave, I, I just think he's going to be the breakout guy on offense this year. If they if they decide they want to throw the ball at six six and with his speed. And his hands, I, I think he's going to be dangerous as a tight end threat. Yeah, I think they've got to get somebody that can hurt you deep in order to go from like a six-seven win team to maybe an eight-win team. I think that's the difference right there. And I think when you don't have that, it puts a lot of pressure on Chance Nolan on those intermediate routes. Uh, we saw defenders last year jumping those routes and. And I thought, gosh, if they had a guy that could stretch the defense a little bit, they'd be better off. Maybe you're right. Maybe it'll be gold. Uh, final question, Jonathan Smith. Um, we've seen him, I don't want to say more relaxed, but feels to me like, you know, the steps in progression at Oregon State went from, you know, just playing games and then trying to be competitive and then winning games and making a bowl game last year. Feels like there's another step here that he wants to take and maybe some more pressure that comes with it. How has he changed in your mind in the last couple of years? I don't know. I don't know he's changed so much. I think he's just he's just pleased at how they've been able to build this program from virtually nothing, um, you know, to a team that, I mean, for the first time I've ever heard him say this, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I heard him say it on your show on Friday or well, did you have him on Friday or Monday? Yeah, I can't remember. I have Friday. Friday. I yeah. listened on a podcast. He, he he mentioned the word Pac-12 championship game. Yep. I don't believe I've heard him say that before. So there's some confidence from him. Now, he, I mean, he knows that <laughs> they, they don't have a lot of room for – they don't have a lot of room for error, obviously, because they don't have, you know, four- and five-star guys sitting on the bench ready to play. So they need to, they need to have a little luck with the injuries um, at – particularly up front, if they can get Isaac Hodgins, if they can get Isaac Hodgins through camp and get him ready to be able to play this season, I think that would be huge. 
I just there, there's just so many guys on this team that have been around the program for three and four years. So that's you know that's giving Jonathan some confidence. And I think he's going to be able. To, I think there's things they're going to be able to do this year they haven't been able to do in the past just because they've got veterans, particularly on defense. I think they're going to take they'll take some chances they haven't been able they haven't been able to take in the past because they've got guys that have been playing in the program for so long. Nick Dashiell, you're the best. Thank you for joining us. Um, I appreciate your time. All right. We'll see you. Thanks. There's Dashiell. Good stuff on Oregon State. It does kind of feel like, I don't want to say do or die because that's not how it is for Oregon State, but it feels like if you're Oregon State, you're in a position now where USC hasn't quite got its footing. Kalen DeBoer at Washington, he just got here. Dan Lanning at Oregon, he got here. There are some programs that normally compete at the top half of the conference that are just trying to kind of get it going. And you have continuity, and you have a veteran team. And so I do think if you're Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, you kind of see this window of opportunity. that it, It's like a one-season thing here before Oregon, USC, Washington sort of get their feet underneath them. Uh, I, do, I do see Utah at the top of this conference, but I think there's a group of about five teams after Utah, and I'll include Oregon, UCLA, USC, Oregon State, and Washington State among those. There are about five teams that I think could finish in the two, three, four spots and you know make decent bowl games or rattle around a little bit or even depending on how they position this season – uh, get to play in Las Vegas for the conference championship against Utah, who I think will uh, end up with the best record in the conference. I think it's a big, big season for Oregon State and Jonathan Smith. I want you to leave it here. You got the bald-faced truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. We're just talking about Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach. I asked him on Friday, Pac-12 Media Day in Los Angeles, about getting to the next level. He brought up 12 wins. I think we want to win the championship. We want to go to Vegas and, and, and be in the Pac-12 championship game. Each year's new. We've made some real progress. Uh, we feel, you know, feel good about the progress made. We've got a lot left, and each week you got to play well to be able to win games. What I'm confident in saying is that each time we line up, we feel confident. If we play well, we can win, and we can win 12, 12 games or whatever it will take to get there. Um, but, again, what we, the progress we've made, it really means a, a, nothing for uh, this coming season until you start playing. It means nothing, but also we can see, like, you know, it's true. You go up a flight of stairs, the steps behind you don't really – uh, factor into the steps ahead of you, but frankly, you're not where you are if you didn't climb them. So Jonathan Smith, let's let's give some credit where it's due. Uh, they went in year one from being non-competitive to year two to playing closer to year three to winning some games, enough games to get to a bowl game, going you know six and zero at home. And now Jonathan Smith looking to take another step. I I disagree a little bit with Nick Dashiell. I I have sensed a little bit of a change in Jonathan Smith. And I don't mean like his personality has changed or whatnot, but I just see him kind of, you know, Jed Fish had the same thing. Like Arizona's coach, Jed Fish, they were terrible last year. And I told Jed Fish, 
you guys remind me of Oregon State in, you know, two, three years ago under Jonathan Smith. Like, you were just in games and, you know, defense couldn't play, not good enough to be on the field in a Pac-12. And then, you know, this year is about being more competitive. And maybe next year is about, hey, can you get to five or six wins? That's kind of the progression. But once you get to six wins and make a bowl game like Oregon State did, then it becomes, all right, how do you get from bowl eligible into all of a sudden competing for, like, one of the upper-tier bowls in the Pac-12? Not a playoff. Like, if you go 12-0, and you're making the playoff. But n- not a playoff in this case if you're Oregon State. But, like, how do you get to, like, the Alamo Bowl? How do you get to, like, Vegas to play the conference championship game? And the answers to those things are you have to continue to progress. You have to win games on the road. That's what Oregon State didn't do a year ago. They were great at home. They were terrible on the road. They lost games on the road they should not have lost. They lost at Colorado. They should have won. They lost at Cal. They laid an egg. And those two games, suddenly, if they win those two games, you're talking about the possibility for a nine-win season at Oregon State, and instead they're sitting on the L.A. Bowl in a date with Utah State. I think there's a there's a leap forward that is out there for Jonathan Smith and Oregon State. I'll be curious to see if they can take it, and I frankly think it, it isn't going to have to do with the offensive line. It isn't going to have to do with the running backs. I don't even think it has to do with the quarterbacks. I think it has to do with two two things for Oregon State. One, can they find a receiver that can hurt teams deep? If they can, it's going to make everything else easier on offense, and I think Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren know what to do with that. Two, can they stop other teams on offense and get off the field? They were much better last year than the year before, but there's still some room for growth there. I think Oregon State has got a lot to play for this season. Our big splash is coming up. I want you to leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.